Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Fantastic. Look to the person beside you and say, you look amazing. Give somebody a hug. Grab your seat. Thank you, band. Thank you, boys. We love you. Who's ready for the Word of God this morning? Come on. I love it. Hey, I am. I'm really excited to have water baptisms here this afternoon. It's going to be amazing. Straight after service, so we'll get you all to come out and celebrate with us. And uh, Julianne was letting me know just before the service that today she's getting water baptized, but it was two years to the day that she landed in Australia. Is Julianne here? Is she helping with kids? She's helping with kids. I thought, man, that's really significant. That's really cool. Kind of left the shores of New Zealand under, you know, a certain set of circumstances, landed here in two years to the day. Uh, she's been water baptized into a brand new life with Christ, so, which is really cool. So uh, please hang around afterwards. Come and celebrate with us. Who was here last weekend? Most of us. If you weren't, can I encourage you, please, get the podcast of Justin's message. It was phenomenal. Dumping distraction. He preached a, a message for, you know, just all about Mary and Martha and the fact that life always presents us with a whole lot of options, but we've got to make the right decisions, decisions to choose the right things. You know, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, I love what you're doing for me, but Mary's chosen the better thing. And uh, it's not necessarily that in life we do the wrong thing or the bad thing, but in God there's always a better thing. So I want to encourage you, go on to, go on to our web, um, website, download or, or click onto the podcast. Very cool. Can I start with a joke this morning? Is that all right? Okay. A Baptist, I was going to anyway, whether you said yes or no, I was going to anyway, but... Thank you for letting me start with a joke. A Baptist, a Catholic, and a Pentecostal all died on the same day, and upon arriving at, he- at the pearly gates were greeted by St. Peter. Sorry, men, Peter said, but your rooms aren't ready yet, and not sure what to do. Peter asked Satan if he could look after them for a little while. Uh, about three hours later, Satan returned to Peter and said, you have to take these guys back. And Peter said, why? And Satan answered, the Baptist is saving everyone, the Catholic is forgiving everyone, and the Pentecostal has raised enough money for air conditioning. <laughs> Not a good day in hell. <laughs> Fantastic. Who knows it's good to laugh? We should laugh. We should laugh, and we should laugh at ourselves. I look in the mirror and I laugh. Sometimes I cry, but mostly I laugh and think, anyway. Hey, I had a great game of tennis this week with Stefan and Luke. They took it easy on me and my dicky hips. But uh, after about half an hour, I said, all right, boys, I'll be the umpire. You guys keep playing. And we had a good game. It was great. So thanks, Stefan, for running me around. Have you ever noticed how much fun kids have? They, they just love life. And it doesn't matter if they're digging a hole, filling it with water and making mud puddles, uh, or they're jumping off things and hurting themselves, they're running, they're, kids are just having fun. Kids are just enjoying life. They're, they're joking. They're, like, they're friends with everyone. Do you know what I love? I love, I come home from work in the afternoon and we didn't have room in our backyard for our trampoline, so we set it up in the front yard. Nobody's complained yet, so it's still there. But I come home and, and dead set, there's a trail of bikes, scooters and skateboards all the way up my street and there's about 20 kids either on my trampoline, around my trampoline, under the trampoline, kicking, throwing balls, doing things. These kids have never met each other before, but within two seconds, they're best friends. And they're just loving life. But then something happens. We grow up and we get serious. 
because life is serious. I don't know why, but we just do. Now, I know there's a few added pressures and there's a few things that happen, but why do we get so serious? Why do we take ourselves so serious? You're not that important. I'm not that important. Life is fun. The life that God has given you, the life that God has given me is meant to be enjoyed and fun. John 10.10 says, the devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. It appears to me that we start with life abundantly and then we grow older and get serious and we leave that behind and we just do life. We go from living abundantly to just existing, just accepting our everyday occurrences and circumstances. I don't believe that's what God has for us. And so the title is Back to Basics. Let's get back to the basics. Let's get back to that place where we can just enjoy life, enjoy what we have, enjoy our friends, enjoy the moment. I know so many people that can't enjoy the moment because they're thinking about what may happen. They're thinking about what has happened. They're either tied to their past or they're looking to their future, but they're never present in the present. Yeah? You know, and uh, I remember learning to ride a bike. It was awesome. We had, I'm one of seven kids, so I kind of saw dad teach all of the kids, and he taught them all the same, and I thought he was crazy, but then I remember now teaching my kids to ride their bike, and I think I'm crazy as well. We had this long driveway, and you know, most, most kids, when they're learning to have a, ride a bike, they had training wheels, but not with my dad. My dad just wanted to hold the back of the seat and run with us. So he's huffing and puffing, and he's, he's really short. He's five foot three, so he's got short little legs. He has to do two steps for everybody else's one, but... I remember after about 10 laps, you know, he wouldn't even let me pedal at first. He would just push, just, just keep steering, just keep looking ahead, look ahead, look ahead, and he'd keep steering. Can I pedal now? No. Can I pedal now? No. All I wanted to do was pedal that bike. I wanted to do jumps. I wanted to do backflips. I wanted to, I'd seen everybody else do them. Now I wanted to do it myself. After about 10 laps, he said, all right, now that you're looking ahead, now that you know how to steer and turn the corner, start pedaling. And what I didn't realize at the time was he was trying to build up my balance and coordination. He was trying to get me to multitask and learn how to look ahead whilst steering, whilst pedaling a bike. I didn't understand that. I just wanted to ride the bike. I just wanted to get active. I'd seen these other guys do what they did. And it's the same with learning how to surf. I, li I lived like a stone throws from the beach. If I, at the end of the back row there, that was the beach from my house. So I remember my dad buying me a surfboard and taking me to the beach. And all I wanted to do, because I'd seen all the other guys doing it, I just wanted to get barreled. I wanted to do cutbacks. I wanted to do floaters. I wanted to rip a wave apart because I'm a surfer now. I'm pumped. I'm a surfer. But he wouldn't let me do anything but lay down from out the back to shore, out the back to shore, out the back. And I'm like, this is insane. This is embarrassing, but this is insane. That's not surfing. That's laying down on a bit of fiberglass. Half an hour, one hour. Dad, can I stand up yet? No. Can I stand up yet? No. Can I stand up yet? No. And I'm like, what's going on? He said, now you can kneel. I said, I don't want to kneel. It's not, a, it's not a kneeboard, it's a surfboard. I want to stand up. He wouldn't let me. And after about another half an hour, okay, you can stand up now. Stood up for about half a second and fell off. So, so in my head I could do it, but in reality I couldn't. And what happened was Dad was trying to teach me again how to get balanced how to read a wave, how to navigate the conditions that were coming before me. I wanted to jump to the end. He was trying to teach me how to get to the end, how, how to do what uh, I, I wanted to do ultimately. And 
In both cases, he set an example for me of how to do the thing I wanted to do. So today what I want to do, because it's really smart to look at somebody who knows how to do what you want to do well. What I want to do this morning is just look at the life of Jesus and what he did. Because we want to do life well, we want to do our Christian life well, and so often we get caught up in, in theology and doctrine and religious romanticism and all these other things, and we forget, let's just get back to the basics. Let's just get back to the beginning. Let's get back. See, because we come into church, and it's exciting, or into life in Christ, and I felt something, and I experienced something, and I've entered into a community of believers and at some point, this passion and this desire and this will to learn and, and know more about God and about the things of something happens and now I'm more about the learning than the doing, the experiencing than the being with. Does that make sense? Because Jesus invites us into relationship. We come into relationship and relationship works and it's awesome. And then we go from relationship to knowledge of. And I feel like God's calling us, even as a church, back to the basics, back to the beginning, back to that place of first love where we encountered God and he became real in our world. Amen? You know, we forget at times that Jesus really just simply invites us into relationship with him and asks us to do the same with others. That's, that's what he wants. He just wants relationship. It says in Matthew 22, starting in verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with the question, saying, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, in the, in the, in the law of Moses, there were 613 commandments. God gave us three, and we made up a whole lot more. Uh, God gave us 10, but we made up a whole lot more. There was 613. So they're saying, which is the most important command of all the commandments of Moses that he brought to us as your people? What's the most important? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I love that. What is the most important thing I could do with my life, Lord? What is the most important thing that you call me to, that you want me to, because I acknowledge you as my Lord God and Savior? What do you want me to do? Is that ever been a question that you've, you've God, what do you want me to do? God, what should I do with my life? God, what, what's, what's the future look like? What should I do? Can I tell you very plainly, very simply, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think at times we're really good at coming in to church. We're coming into God and learning more about God, but I don't talk to my neighbor. I don't help the person on the side of the road that's broken down and has got a flat tire. I don't pay for the coffee for the person that's scrounging around in their pocket and looks like they don't. See, see what, what is the most important thing that we could do as Christians? How do we let our light shine bright? How do we be Christ to those that are out in the community that are hurting, broken, lost, and confused, looking for somebody in their world that will direct them in the right? How do we do? love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? The deal is this. Sometimes our neighbors aren't that lovable doesn't matter 
This is the commandment of God. This is what he says is the most important thing. This is Jesus Christ, God incarnate, living on the earth. This is what he said is the most important thing. Which says to me, sometimes I've got to get beyond what I don't like. I've got to get beyond what I don't see because God sees what I don't see. He sees in that person a life worth redeeming. I see a pain. I see somebody that's painful or unlovable or dirty, or a sinner, or broken, or lost. I see, I see something totally contrary and totally different to what God sees. I have to act upon what he sees, not what I see. I have to act upon what he feels, not what I feel. And i got to go out there and love somebody like Jesus. Oh, come on, that's worth a clap this morning. So we're getting back to the basics. And I, and I love in the Bible that we, we really don't know much about Jesus until he's 30. We know that he's, he's miraculously conceived, he's born, uh, that, that, you know, that his parents at 12 years of age lost him, they went to the, the, the Passover feast and they're returning back home and they, they lose the, the saviour. You ever lost? Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> they, they left Jesus behind, the saviour of the world, they left him. I, I gave you one job to do. Anyway. <laughs> They lost Jesus. And then we hear nothing from 12 to 30. But at 30, something happened. Today, we're baptizing people. People are entering into the waters of, of baptism, of death, burial, and resurrection into a new life. And when Jesus did this, it says that the heavens opened, that the, the, the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus, and there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And it, and it signified the beginning of his earthly ministry. So, so what I want to do is, is look at what did Jesus do and how did he live his life so that we can find a bit of balance in our Christian walk and we can do the Christian life well. Amen? Amen. You know, sometimes I think we have it in our minds that Jesus was different to you and I. Jesus was no different to you and I. He didn't float two inches off the ground or enter a room through the wall. He ate food. He felt pain. He, he, do you know what I mean? He, he, he was raised like us. I'm, I'm a carpenter. I did, I did, I did um, a cabinet-making apprenticeship, and then I became a carpenter, and then I did project management. And just like Jesus was a carpenter. So he had to turn up to work on time. He had to go and learn. He didn't just know, what do I need? He's not like Neo where he plugs in and now I can fly the helicopter. He, he had to learn how to do life, but he did it well. He was sinless. He was perfect. He was all those things, but he's just like you and I. If he did life well and set the example for us, firstly, we should look at that example. Secondly, we can do life well. We can resist temptation. We can resist um, even the temptation to slander people or to talk badly about people or to pull people down or any other thing. We can live like Jesus lived because he came and set the example for us. Um, what did he do? What did Jesus do when he walked the earth? Everywhere Jesus went, he preached the gospel, he taught those that were following him, and he went about healing all kinds of sickness, disease, and casting out demons and healing infirmities. It says in Matthew 4, 23, it says, Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all of Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick and afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. 
Great multitudes follow him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. What did he do? He taught, he preached, and he healed. In teaching, Jesus showed people how to. How to do life well. How to live righteous. How to have faith. How to be gracious and merciful. We can all do that. You can, you can show people how to do life well. You can be that signpost. You can be that example. When you submerse yourself, when you bring yourself into life in Christ, see, we, we pray a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. But what we're really doing when we're doing that is saying, I'm coming into your world. I'm coming into your sphere. Because 2 Corinthians says, anybody that is in Christ is a new creation. It's not that just he's just coming to us. We've come into his realm. We've come into his purpose for our life. We've come into him, and we need to see it that way. We're in Christ. We've died with Christ. We've risen again in a new life, as a new man, as a new woman. But we, we can do what Jesus did. We can teach people. He did three simple things. He taught, he preached, and he healed. We can do those things. You and I are equipped and empowered. We have all that we need to teach, to preach, and to see people healed in Jesus' name. In preaching, what did he do? He revealed truth. He inspired people, and he encouraged people. You can do that. Most of you go, well, I'm not a pastor, and I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. God has asked you to be salt and light in a hurting, broken world. He wants you to open your mouth so he can fill it. He wants you, what, 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 is, what is this Bible? It's the good news of the gospel. It's the good news. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of salvation and redemption and life beyond uh, circumstantial pain and occurrence. Each and every one of us is called to preach the gospel. Whether you use the Bible or not, let your life so shine. Let your life so pour out the goodness of God, the good news that people see Jesus through you and I. Amen? See, Jesus can't be seen, but we can. You will be, and hear me correctly when I say this, you could be Jesus to somebody. You're not their savior. You're not Jesus. You can reflect and be. The Bible calls us ambassadors, his ambassadors. And I'll come to this in a minute, but we are called to represent the one that sent us, the one that called us, and the one that saved us. And then you know, in healing, what did he do? Jesus demonstrated the power of God. He, just, he demonstrated the power of God. The Bible says in, in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It says, lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. It says, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believing that you receive them, you will have them. We can, we can release the power of God into other people's worlds, into their situations. Into their, it's not for a select few, it's for all of us. Let's get back to the basics. Let's just start having fun. I remember as a young Christian being so zealous and so crazy. Somebody would come up and say, I broke my arm. I said, great, I'll pray, I'll pray for it. And I would pray for it and I'd get healed. I did this just a few weeks ago back in Melbourne. I prayed for a guy that broke his wrist on Thursday. They didn't have a surgeon there to pin and plate it, so they put him in a cast. He went back on Monday for more, um, more x-rays because he was scheduled for uh, surgery on Tuesday. And they said, two sets of x-rays, Thursday and Monday, no break. One snapped clear, clear through, one no break. Now I could go, well... What does the Bible say about it? Like, how long should this take? And really, should I pray for them or should I encourage them? Or what? No, no, let's just get excited like a kid. Let's go back to learning how to ride bikes and learning how to surf and jumping off 
the sand dunes. Let's get excited about the things of God and the fact that, yes, you know, we are called to impact our community. We are called to be a blessing where we're found, but it doesn't have to wait till tomorrow. We can do that today. I can step out in God and, and I can walk on water. I can step out in God and see miracles happen whether I feel like I'm qualified or not. You don't have to go to Bible college to release Jesus to people. Now, now, I've been to Bible college, and it was great, but you don't have to go to step out in God and do amazing things for Him. He wants you to do it now. You know, when Jesus called His disciples, and He's called each and every one of us, all He wanted them to do was get close and follow His lead. That's all He wanted them to do. We overcomplicate life in Christ. God, what do you want me to do? What, you know, I, what, what should I be doing? Get close follow my lead. Get close, follow my lead. What is he asking you to do today? Perhaps you haven't heard his voice for a while because you didn't do the last thing he asked you to do. Did you pray for your neighbor that's got chronic arthritis? Did you pay for that person's bill because you knew they couldn't afford their rent? What is it that God asked you to do? Get close, follow my lead. Get close, what did Jesus do? He went about teaching, revealing truth, preaching, Encouraging and releasing the power of God. That's what God's called you and I to do. Get in people's world and teach them. Preach good news to them. Don't preach like a religious fanatic. Preach good news. Preach love. Preach grace. Preach. How are we going to win Noosa to Christ? Not through condemnation. Not through guilt trips. People go on trips all the time. They don't need to go on a guilt trip. They've got, they've got enough pressure in their world. They've got enough. You know what I mean? Let's help people lighten their load. Let's help people have a vision for the future beyond the, the torment and the pain they find themselves in today. Let, let's help people see themselves in a better place, in a better relationship with their kids restored. Wh whatever it might be, let's help people live well. Amen? Why did Jesus do this to the disciples? He wanted them to do the same as he did. Why did he say, follow me? Follow me. Because he didn't get them to do anything until he released the Spirit to them. He wanted them to watch what he was doing. He wanted them to get close and learn and understand how he responded, how he acted, how he blessed people, how he touched people. He wanted them to learn. Teach, show others how to, preach good news and truth and heal, release God into any situation they found themselves in. What is God's will for your life? I'm glad you asked. Thank you, Eddie. God's will for your life is that you would love him wholeheartedly and that you would love his people unreservedly. That God would have your heart. He would have your focus. He would have your passion. He would be number one in your world. God's will for your life is that you would love him above every other thing. And that unreservedly, you would love his people. That any person that God brought across your path. Do you know I had an awesome moment this week? I had an electrician turn up to fix my oven. He had to fix a knob on a um, uh, fan, and he had to fix my oven door. And we're talking, and he must have seen a Bible laying there, and he goes, what church do you go to? You know, fair question. I said, oh, actually, we have a church in Noosa. Wow, really? And he just started opening up for about 30 minutes. Now, I was busy, and I had something else to do. And God said, you are not busy. This is the moment. Love God, love people. Naturally, it was an inconvenience. Naturally, it was taking time out of my day, but this was a divine encounter that God was bringing across our path. So I'm sitting there, and he, he does not know me from Adam, and he's pouring his heart out. 
about the fact that his daughter's addicted to drugs and that he's, he's going through hell and that, you know, that, that their world is being turned upside down because of the circumstance they're in right now. I got to teach, preach, and, and pray. I, got, I, got to, I said, I'd love to pray with you. And he felt the power of God. I just said, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a better day. You know what the Bible says? Because he, he obviously he was, he was open to the fact that there was a Bible there. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll talk about the Bible. The Bible says this, that there's deliverance and there's freedom and there can be a new day in Christ. I'm going to be praying for your daughter. I'm going to get our D group, our discipleship group to pray for your daughter. We're going to lift her up in prayer and believe that God will get into the middle of this situation and bring restoration to your family and peace to your family and joy. What was that? That was being Jesus in this situation. I am not Jesus, but each and every one of us can do that. We can take time out of our day because the grandiose statement that we make is Noosa, a city for Christ. God, that you would sweep across the, the Sunshine Coast and that revival and salvation would come to every man, woman, and child. And that's what we believe. But we're the instruments through which that is going to be swept in. We are gonna, we're going to touch the ones. We're going we're gonna to go for the families. We're going to go for our, our siblings. We're going to go for our, the, our, the, those men and women that we see at work every day. We are going to be the difference. We are going to be the ones that usher in revival because we step outside of our wants, our needs, our desires, and we look to the men and women that are hurting, broken, downtrodden, that God gave his life for. Amen? And I'm telling you, if you'll do this, you will find your purpose in God. Because I see so many people that get stuck in, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want? And it's year after year after year. Just start now. Just start helping someone. Just start blessing someone. Just start giving someone Jesus and watch what he will do in your world. Uh, you know, church for us is meant to be a place of empowerment, not a position of residence. We're meant to come to church to be empowered given the word, filled with faith, you know, touched by the Spirit of God, but we're not meant to reside here. It's no good me getting anything from God if I do nothing with what I got. I got to go out and release what God gave me for it to have any effect. For it to be miraculous, I got to go outside. I love the fact that Peter and John were on the way to the temple, but the miracle happened outside the temple. The miracle wasn't in the house. The miracle was on the outside of the house. Somebody was touched, raised to life, and brought into the presence of God. I want to encourage you this week. Who can you touch for Jesus? Who can you release the power of God to so that they can enter in and find their way into the house of God? Amen? Mate, a tough crowd this morning. Keep smiling at me because nobody else is. Just, just, just kidding. Just playing with that. So again, can I remind us all this morning, Jesus is invisible to the world, but you are not. Let's get back to the basics and let's start loving people like Jesus did. He can't be seen, but we can. And the only way that Jesus can be seen today is through you and I. I love what it says in 1 John 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that, so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. 
I love that. If we love one another, if we love our neighbors, if we love our community, God is seen in us. That's awesome. What should you do in life? How should you walk out your Christian life? Love God and love people. Love, and, and we've got to get practical in this. Because I can say, I love you. You're awesome. I love you. Amazing. Awesome. But if I do nothing to help him in a moment of need, if I see needs in his world or things that I could assist with and do nothing, my words are empty. But if I go, man, I love you, therefore I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to walk this journey with you with, through addiction or through trial or through temptation or whatever it might be. I'm going to walk with you and I commit to be there with you, to help you, to strengthen you when you're weak, to encourage you when you feel like pulling back. We've got to let our faith and our declaration be earthed in action. Faith without works is dead. You know, the kingdom's about people, the broken, the wealthy, the insane, the dirty, the sinful. The, the kingdom is about people. And I was thinking this week, what's the difference between me and a sinner? What's the difference between you and a sinner? There is no difference at all. It's an invisible blanket called grace, nothing else. Grace that was poured out at the cross. Why? Because all have fallen short. We, we, we all fall short. None of us are worthy of salvation. None of us are worthy of eternity with God, but for grace, but for the cross, but that he touched our lives. I tell you, it would be exactly the same as everybody else out there if, if Jesus didn't enter into our situation. If somebody didn't come into our world and tell us about God and about his good, it's all about Jesus. It's, it's about grace. There's no difference at all. Let me read one more thing and then we'll, we'll finish. We're going to go out and do these water baptisms and celebrate together. But I read the story of Gandhi. And a statement Gandhi said was, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. Gandhi loved reading the Gospels. He would read the Beatitudes every day. He loved the teachings of Jesus. But there was a day where he came to church wearing his orange robes. And upon entering the church, he was told he couldn't come in because he didn't have the right attire. This is, this is Gandhi. This, this is a man that's been massively influential through history. He said, I love your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. I never want to be found in the camp that turns somebody away. Imagine somebody being turned away because they had the wrong clothes on. You know, I, I remember, it was a little joke, it's a bit of a joke, but a man turns up to church and people are quite upset because they're in their three-piece suits. He has his denim jeans, his, his 10-gallon hat and his, his cowboy shirt on. And the people come up to the pastor and say, Pastor, he really shouldn't be here dressed like this. Would you go and talk to him and just let him know that next week when he comes, he really should consider what he wears? So he does. He goes up to the man and says, listen, you should really pray about what you should wear next week. So the man turns up next week with his jeans, his 10-gallon hat and his, his cowboy shirt. And the pastor said, I thought I told you to pray about what you should wear today. He said, I did, but Jesus has never been to this church, so he didn't know what the dress code was. <laughs> people, people shouldn't be turned away because of what they're wearing. People shouldn't be turned away because of their lifestyle. People shouldn't be turned away because they're different from us. We should welcome everybody in and help them to journey well in Christ. Help them to journey towards transformation. Help them, to, why? Because we love them. Because we're for them. Yes, we want to see Noosa one to Christ. The way we will see Noosa one to Christ is to love people. I remember, you know, just, just reading through the story in Luke 19 of, 
Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector that had wronged many. The Bible kind of talks about the fact that he would take twice the taxes instead of what he should be. He was, he was a bad man. He was a sinner. He, he met with prostitutes. He did all these things. But it says that when Jesus was walking along the street, he climbed a tree to get as high as he could to see Jesus. It says that Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down here because today I'm going to come and have lunch with you. And I thought, how amazing is that, that Jesus chose to be with a tax collector, a sinner, a dodgy man, rather than a religious crowd. And I just wonder if the religious crowd were more interested in learning more rather than being with. If they, were, they had less passion for Jesus himself and more about what Jesus could teach them about how they could do life. But it's, the story goes on just to say that salvation has come to your house today because you want me. People are hungry for Jesus. People are desperate. In the middle of their circumstance, in the middle of their brokenness, in the middle of their, their pain and their, their ugliness, and they, they want the answer. We can be the answer to our community. Can I encourage you this morning, church, don't leave from here and do nothing this week and come back next week. Have eyes to see over the next seven days people that you could bless, people that you could encourage, people that you could lead, people that you could lift up. Because I'm telling you, like Melissa said this morning, there's, there's not going to be enough room in this room to contain all the people that God wants to bring in. Let's love people into the kingdom. Let's accept them into their position in Christ. Let's be a blessing everywhere we're found. And can I encourage you with this? Zacchaeus lives in Noosa. And he lives in Tawanton. And he lives in Dunan. And he lives in Karoi. And he lives in Pomona. And he, there are Zacchaeuses all around us. Yeah. Call them into your world. Sometimes people go, you know what, uh, and Perigian Springs, there's Zacchaeus in Perigian Springs, sorry Kelly. <laughs> Sometimes we go, but I don't want to associate them, but they're dirty, or they're a sinner, or they're, I don't want to associate, what would people think? Can I encourage you this morning as your pastor, associate with them, jump right into the middle of their mess and be that catalyst for change that they need. If you don't, who will? If I don't, who will? People need instruction. People need to be loved on and encouraged and blessed, not chastised and pulled down and, and you, man, you are a sinner and you should be shamed and none of that. Let's lift people up, amen? amen. There's a saying that says, uh, you're so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. And I'm like, man, I hope I'm never like that. But I'm, I'm thinking about heaven, I'm thinking about it too, and I do nothing for those that I meet on earth. I, I, I want to be earthly minded. I want, to, I want to have my focus on Christ, but think about people every day. Amen? Amen. You know, I love when, when Zacchaeus repented. He said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all these things. I'm going to give four times back that which I took. And I'm, Jesus didn't chastise you. Well, you should. And you make sure you do. And you report back into me. He goes, it's all good. Let's walk a journey together. Let's do life together. I've got a friend in, in the States, Matthew Barnett. Matthew Barnett pastors a, a massive church. But... His main ministry is called the Dream Center. And what he's done is he's bought a hospital in LA, downtown LA. That's like 14 stories. It's a massive hospital. And it's just for the broken, the hurting, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, the single mums. He said, I was running an amazing church. And as I would walk to church in the morning, I'd step over somebody that had OD'd. I'd step over somebody that had been shot. I'd step over a, a prostitute that was trying to sell her body. And he said, and then I'd walk into church and preach the gospel. And there came a day where God said, whilst he was standing at the pulpit, what are you doing? Your preaching should be out there. And don't preach with words. Go and help these people. So he went and bought a hospital. And he houses these people. And he gives medical attention to these people. And he said, it is full. All 14 floors are full. 
people getting off drugs, people being delivered, and then they've, they've, you know, they've got schooling then, so then they do train them up in the ways, and they get saved, and they get set on a new path. We can be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, but I want to encourage you, church, let's dump distractions like Justin was, let's, let's choose the better thing. Let's focus up on getting back to the basic and loving people. There's somebody in your world right now that you could love into the kingdom, that you could pray for, that you could bless, that you could invite to church. You know, as a stat, and I think it's accurate, it's 86% of people, if invited to church, would come. People are looking for truth. People are looking for breakthrough. So we can go through the Bible, and I can tell you how many horns are on the dragon in Revelations, and I can tell you about the gold incense burners in the tabernacle, but if we don't earth and ground our faith in action, loving our community, our community will never meet Jesus. Can we stand to our feet? Please close our eyes. I just want to pray for you this morning. Father, I pray that as your people, called and chosen, not only would we come and celebrate you and celebrate your goodness, but God, we ask this morning that our hearts would break for the things that break yours. That you would give us a heart that sees the broken and the hurting and the lonely and the lost. And that, Lord, we would step up to the plate and we would do something about it. That, God, you would show us how we can meet needs and heal hurts in our community. And I pray for God opportunities this week for every person that stands before me. That, God, you would give us opportunities to be a blessing where we're found. That, Lord, we would seek you out through the scriptures and would spend time uh, praying and waiting in your presence. And that, God, what we get given, what gets downloaded from heaven, we would realize isn't for us. It's for other people. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you this morning. In the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Can we just put our hands together for the Lord this morning? Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.